What up, Chiefs Kingdom? Mondays, they're so much better after a Chiefs win as they take down the Jacksonville Jaguars 17-9 in the defensive battle that very few saw coming on Patrick Mahomes' 28th birthday. We'll break it all down today on 10 Things. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of 10 Things. Welcome, everybody, to this episode of 10 Things. I'm BJ Kissel, hanging out with Haley Lewis. Haley, I know it's only been a few hours since we've been out and saw each other, but how was your weekend? How was the last 12 hours? I mean, yeah, the last 12 hours since I saw you, I went home, wrote some notes, went to bed, woke up champion. I hated that, sorry, but the Chiefs won, so it's exciting. Much better than what we were doing, you know, a week ago after the Chiefs lost, and then we had to wait 10 days before they could win yeah. and redeem themselves. So That was brutal. Life's better. Yes, it's it's nice to get in like a normal week. I don't know if yeah. anybody listening or watching on YouTube, we appreciate you for hanging out with us and spending part of your Monday or Tuesday with us, but it it's just weird to play the Thursday, and I think the fact that they lost and they played the way that they the way that they did. Cruddy. Uh, it's just cruddy to wait that long. But uh, before we get into this, we do have to thank our sponsor of 10 Things in Mission Taco Joint. Now with three locations in the Kansas City area, they've got five over in St. Louis, but the new one in Kansas City is in Park Place out in Leewood. And we talked about this before, but we don't just appreciate their support of sponsoring this show, but they're also a big sponsor of the KCSN Foundation and our Feed It Forward program. And happy to announce that we're actually doing our first uh, delivery for Feed It Forward tomorrow, uh, which would be Tuesday of this week. We are headed out to Hope Faith Ministries with the folks from Mission Taco Joint and uh, providing meals uh, and lunches for the homeless population over there. I'll be doing that once a month. Thank you to Mission Taco Joint. And make sure and remember that on Tuesdays at any of the Mission Taco Joints in Kansas City, you go in there and mention KCSN, get 10% off of your bill. But again, appreciate their support of both KCSN and the KCSN Foundation. All right, Haley, let's get into the 10 things that are top of mind for us right now regarding the Kansas City Chiefs. And we'll start with number one. Um, Anybody remembers this? We're getting more into the style of what the show was last year. But uh, (laughs) I like this first one because we did these a lot last year. We've done these over the years. Andy Reid just keeps moving on up. But Andy Reid, with that win against the Jags on Sunday, secured his 270th career victory combining regular season and postseason as an NFL head coach and that that win moved Reed into a tie with pro football hall of fame coach Tom Landry filed for fourth place for most combined wins NFL history his next win will move in into sole possession of fourth place and then he will be going to be a little while before he catches George Hallis with 324 wins so if my math serves me correct 54 wins away right now from tying George Hallis. So that's going to be three years, right? Yeah. 18 wins. Slausable. All the playoffs and everything. Tuck's looking at me like my math's off. (laughs) Just go undefeated for the next three years and I'll catch George Hallis. in my degree. (laughs) But yeah, I don't think it's a surprise. And we've talked about these numbers and these streaks and these paces for a long time that he reads one of the greatest coaches in NFL history. The success that he's had, not only in Philly, but obviously here in Kansas City with Super Bowls. uh, Unbelievable. It's been cool. I think the past couple of years covering this team too, and I know you've covered them closely as well, to see his name. I've, I've, we've been saying these things for a while, right? To see his name continue to creep up on that list. And it's really cool to see where he's at. And then there was a post game quote that Mahomes said about Coach Reed. 
He's like, at the end of the day, obviously he's a great coach, but I think the person that he is is what makes him so special. The way that he's able to relate to everybody, everybody in the locker room would say the same thing and you all know that. And I think that's the best part about Coach Reed is that he is a player's coach, but you know, he he keeps command of the locker room and of his players, but at the same time encourages them to be themselves. So it's it's we love to see it, you know, but I think the cooler thing is that everyone is a Coach Reed fan. I mean, yeah. you, you watch him kill the State Farm commercials, say the word nuggies, somehow Patrick Mahomes just have to say that word um, broadcast, but awesome accomplishment, even better dude. That's the cool part about it. Yeah, I think that balance, and, and you've been around coaching and you've been around athletics, like it doesn't matter the sport, the ability for coaches to relate to players yeah. and have the players play hard for them and respect them, even when they have tough conversations, even when he's had to release players that he's had a history with, they they always seem, I shouldn't say they always, there's a couple of and then we all know who they are, but there's a couple that get upset later in their careers when they're told they're not good enough or they're too slow anymore. But in general, like mm-hmm. Andy Reid, the, the respect that he commands, not only from you know the players that play for him or that have ever played for him, but even the coaches around the league. Like you have a lot of people. I remember being on the red carpet before the Super Bowl win in Miami and talking to Sean McDermott uh, with the Bills. Like everyone was rooting for Coach Reid, right? And right. It's crazy because I mean, obviously beating the Bills uh, and the rivalry that they have and they will continue to have going forward and the the connection that uh, the networking and the, just the it's a very small world in coaching mm-hmm. that there's only about four or five coaching trees that you come from and how you learn things obviously Andy Reid playing Doug Peterson this past weekend I uh, have so much respect and that ability to be really really good at your job and have coaches players executives everybody around the league respect you the way that they do uh, I think that's given Kansas City and the Chiefs and a lot of the the moves that are made and a lot of things that get done uh, behind the scenes you know, no one's going to lie to Coach Reed. No one's going to mislead Coach Reed right. on anything. A lot of those games that some people might play, it's not going to happen with him. And um, yeah, just we're lucky. I, I have it pinned on my Twitter profile. <laughs> said, what was the most clutch moment in Kansas City sports history? It said Clark flying to Philly. Yeah. When he said, we're not going to wait for Andy Reed to come here and mm-hmm. he's going to Arizona first. We are going to fly to Philly and do this interview with him in the, the airport. And Coach Reed has said multiple times, he said back then, that decisions to do that told him exactly how much Kansas City wanted him. He already respect the Hunt family for what they were doing. That that decision from Clark Hunt and everybody that went with him to go and meet Andy Reid in the Philadelphia airport that day yeah. uh, changed the trajectory of of everything for a lot of people. Absolutely. I mean, Coach Reid has been a godsend to, to Kansas City, but the person that he is is what makes him you know, so special. Something that was also special, yes. let's talk about the Chiefs defense, right? Usually we're always talking about Patrick Mahomes getting things done. I mean, he did get things done. We'll get to that eventually. But it's the Chiefs defense that continues to shine. And they did so getting, you know, holding holding the Jags an explosive offense to only nine points. And we were talking about some of those key players that the Jags have that we were hoping or not hoping, but expecting to see more explosive plays out of. The Chiefs defense gave the Jaguars trouble, lots of trouble. Um, and they held the Jags to 0-3 in the red zone. Despite a six-play drive in the red zone, the Chiefs were able to limit the Jags to just a field goal on that drive. I mean, field goals all day, baby. No touchdowns. Yeah, if you would have told me at the end of that game that Calvin Ridley only had two catches for 32 yards, it would have blown my mind. I know he had the one that was dropped where he was pushed out of bounds and they called the penalty on Snead for pushing him out. Um, But outside of that, I think Calvin Ridley showed, even on the two catches he had, and I could have swore it was more, but how impressive he is. And Ben Fennell, who if you don't follow Ben Fennell on social media, you absolutely should. But showing that they were doing double doubles um, is this is what Ben was explaining. It's mm-hmm. not my analysis. This is Ben's. <laughs> uh, but they were basically doubling Christian Kirk and Calvin Ridley inside the red zone. 
Yeah. Um, they had two guys on both of them and everybody else was one-on-one, which is why on the play that you saw to Zay Jones in the corner on that first touchdown pass that uh, got pushed out of bounds from Trent McDuffie mm-hmm. on the little over route, the angle route, um, you know, that was one of those double doubles and a couple of guys are going to be left one-on-one and that was McDuffie in the slot on Zay Jones and McDuffie did a phenomenal job covering that and kind of running through the trash and not making contact with the defender on one of those little rubber routes. Uh, phenomenal performance overall. Um, I think it started with a guy that we're going to talk about here in a second. Yeah. Uh, but overall, uh, from the Chiefs defense, 23 points allowed uh, in their first two games. Uh, three of 14 yesterday on third down and fourth down combined. Uh, it was complimentary football. Obviously, it started with Chris Jones absolutely wreaking havoc and right. around and making plays. Uh, but there are a lot of players to get to, and we'll continue as we get to all 10 of the things. Uh, start big picture and then kind of narrow yeah, yeah, down yeah. individually. Uh, but Overall, I think that's the story. I mean, obviously, it's the story of the Chiefs so far through two weeks is that their defense doesn't just look good. It looked flat out dominant at times. And this is against a very good Lions team and a very good Jacksonville Jaguars team as talent all over the place. And we saw that. I think the only other thing I would want to point out is no fourth down conversions from a team where we see Doug Peterson very aggressive, usually in that type of position. And the Chiefs were able to shut it down. And I think that kills momentum, kills confidence. And they were able to roll with that throughout the day. Now, you mentioned someone... Chiefs were missing week one, and then we see him back, and 95 looked like 95, right? Yeah, I hope he I hope he feels good today. They talked about it on the broadcast. Yeah. I hope his body responds because we saw how important it is to have Chris Jones on the field, and uh, it's going to lead to an interesting conversation about training camp and how much they need to be there and all that. Yeah. Not prepared to have that conversation right now because Chris Jones maybe is just one of those guys who doesn't need it. Um, and again, we'll see how his body bounces back, but uh, Chris Jones showed why he was holding out for more money why he wants to be paid like a defensive player of the year candidate. He played like it yesterday, uh, taking down Trevor Lawrence for a sack on the fourth down play in the second quarter. Huge huge play. uh, Gave Kansas City the ball and led to the first touchdown of the game. Ended the Jaguars drive in the third quarter um, on a batted pass. Mm -hmm. I mean, the plays that he was making weren't just that he filled up a box score or a stat sheet. They were coming at times that they absolutely needed him to make a play. And another one of... Uh, the pressures, and at the time that we're recording this, the pro football focus numbers have not come out. I'm really curious how many pressures he had, but he was a half a second away from having a safety um, after I the know. ball was down. Oh after my gosh, really I nice wanted that so bad. I remember that. From Tommy Townsend, uh, that first play back, like Chris Jones absolutely, I think it was Brandon Scherf, the right guard, uh, just absolutely whizzed past him, and it led to an incomplete pass, but if Trevor Lawrence had hesitated or came to another read at all, mm-hmm. uh, that he was going to be sacked in the end zone for a safety and that that celebration would have been a lot of fun to watch so that was jones's 18th career multi-sack performance and then read afterwards on jones saying listen i mentioned this before over the years he's learned to keep himself in shape we were kind of talking about that him not being at training camp and whatnot but when i saw him at practice he was moving around pretty good and endurance seemed good i felt comfortable that he would go out and be able to do his thing maybe not at that level that was a heck of a job by him I mean, that's a big compliment from Reed. That's a lot of words. (laughs) It is. And you could tell from the way that, you know, that some of the clips that we saw um, at practice at the way in which Mm -hmm. both Kelsey, but Kelsey because more of the injury, but the way that Chris Jones was kind of welcome from his teammates, the way they were joking with him, they were dancing on the field, that these guys really don't get into each other's business that kind of way. Um, They want him to be there. We heard it from Kelsey. We heard it from Holmes. They want him to be there, but they're going to let that, business side of things kind of play itself out before they get there. And then once he shows up, uh, everybody was going to kind of wonder how he was going to perform. And we saw uh, if he plays like this, he is going to make his case for why he deserves every penny that the Chiefs Mm -hmm. give. And 
And outside of Chris Jones, like the complimentary football and the complimentary pass rush, George Karloftis looked really good. Felix Andy Duque Uzama looked really good. Uh, and, you know, when Charles Amenahu, who's got four more games on his suspension, comes back rushing from the inside uh, with Chris Jones and we'll, how dominant he is on the outside. And you have Amenahu on the inside and the stunts and the different things and the different stresses they can put on um, offensive lines. Uh, Chiefs defense has something, has something special right now. Can't see Chiefs. A defensive team. <laughs> it's crazy the defense is carrying them right I now. Tucker tweeted out something like that. I think it was just thought had tweeted out like this defense has a chance to be really special. And he quote tweeted it yesterday is like we're well on our way. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think you know we talked about it on this show um, a few weeks ago that you know so many people talking about the Chiefs defense before Chris Jones was here. The conversation there weren't enough conversations being had about how many second year players mm-hmm. in this defense, and we're going to get to second year players here in just a bit. But those guys could all take a step forward. Yeah. That development and players who are already here getting better sometimes gets lost when fans and us in the the media and podcasting and blogging kind of forget. We always talk about who can we bring in to add on to what we already have, not realizing what you have is going to get better right, when you have right. players who are wired the right way, who are talented, you have great coaching, all of those things. Um, I think we're starting to see those second-year players kind of step up now. And I just really teased one of the points that we have coming up Haley but stick around we'll get to that right after this quick break thanks for listening to KC Sports Network make sure you download our new app find it on the App Store or Google Play just search KC Sports Network it's more fun to be there for live Kansas City Chiefs football and when you need tickets Ticketmaster's got you covered as the official marketplace of the Kansas City Chiefs and the NFL Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. And you can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com slash Chiefs. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Uh, welcome back to 10 Things and BJ Kissel hanging out with Haley Lewis. Haley, what we got for number four? Birthday boy. You had a nice birthday. Uh, they tweet, did you see the tweet? They tweeted out uh, the, the, the Chiefs. They put out his suit and he showed up. They're like, does this count as a birthday suit? And I was like, I don't like it. Do you know what a birthday suit is? We talked yeah, about it in or last week. Like, we did. I yeah, I'm not too innocent to know what a birthday suit is. I was just like, 
No, no. Anyways, Patrick Mahomes, happy birthday, man. You are younger than me and so much more accomplished than me. And it makes me sad sometimes, but I'm happy for you. So I like that we <laughs> just kind of assume that, you know, it was an off day for Patrick Mahomes in the offense. He threw for 300 yards and he had two touchdowns. Right. Like, and it was like, ah, he had an off day. Like, well, he had one interception. So it's like, you know, just anyways. And if he had just a half second more time, got a little bit more mm-hmm. under that throw. What he throws that ball two feet further, Cisco misses that. Justin Watson may have caught that for a touchdown. He's so he turned 28 yesterday, he gets a win on his birthday. Is 28 older young to you? Because I have a like in NFL, I'm in 40, fit. so <laughs> it's young. I, I think, I think I'm like, okay, this feels really, really, really young. Like this kid's young, and then you look at it and you're like, I'm reading this line seventh year quarterback Patrick Mahomes celebrating his 28th birthday, seventh year. What? He's one of the, the veterans on this team now? It's it's weird to even say it. I know it's true, but anyways. Okay, so Let's we, get into my, my... These are some of my favorite things. And this yeah. is courtesy of the Chiefs Communication uh, staff. They put out these game notes. And these are the things that I love because it always gives us can, context. And I said this last year for anybody who's listening uh, that was listening to the show last year. Uh, I love not normalizing the greatness that we're watching. And sometimes As, you yeah. need these paces, these records that are being broken to kind of give you context how special... It is that we're seeing or what we're seeing. And so Patrick Mahomes with his 28th birthday and throwing for over 300 yards against the Jacks on Sunday, it was his 42nd career game of throwing for at least 300 yards. Uh, That adds on to his already franchise record of 300-yard passing games uh, with 42. Second place, friend of everyone's, Trent Green. Mm, Heard of him. Had a great Chiefs career. From 2001 to 2006, he had 24 300-yard passing games. Patrick Mahomes has almost doubled him at 28 years old. Uh, so some of these stats, and this is nothing against Trent, it has to do with more of the history of quarterbacking in Kansas yeah, City. Yeah. And sometimes it's just, it's also awesome because it shows how great Patrick Mahomes is, but it's also kind of sad sometimes because it's like, he hadn't been here that long. And this is more sad like three years ago when he had been a starter for four years. He was breaking franchise record for quarterbacks. It just is always strange to me. Well, but... When you go across the entire NFL since 2017, which is the year he was drafted, not the year that he started starting, which was 2018. So basically giving everybody a free year to try to catch up with him. Patrick Mahomes, again, 42, 300 yard passing games. Uh, Second, Tom Brady with 37. Third, Matt Ryan with 35. And then Jared Goff with 31 and Kirk Cousins with 30. So he spotted everybody a year that he wasn't starting and he still has five more 300 yard passing games. Than anybody else. Sometimes, sometimes I forget how lucky we are. And when talking with my parents, who are you know both from here, they're like, "You don't understand how bad it was." But I was listening on the radio on my way in, and someone was talking about the fact that they went to this game, and they're like, "If I could just like my life would be made if I could just watch Patrick Mahomes play once." And I forget we've seen him play so many times in person that, and I don't want to say numb to it because you'll never be numb to the yeah. stuff that he does on the field. But you just don't realize how much of a rarity and it's like people and I don't want to put him in. Don't get mad at me for putting him in Kobe, you know, category. He but is at that level, let's be honest. I mean, I remember going to one of Kobe's final games and I was like, if I could just see Kobe play in person one time in my life, like it'll be made. And that's how people think of Patrick Mahomes. And it's just insane because he's someone that we're so personable with just because of the the it's normal that we're in. And yeah, he is. and you were around him and I was around him. It's it's hard to it's explain that well he's just a dude <laughs> just... like when i worked there people were asking me like oh what's he like i'm like he's just a daddy like nice dude yeah. he just happens to be the best football player yeah. to ever live but doesn't 
don't get that vibe from him. And there would be nobody, I think, that would blame him for having that kind of aura, that kind of like, no, I love it, ability or whatever around him. More of that, and I don't want to put this on it, but like that Dion, like that prime, yeah, which is yeah. that bad, like that I'm the greatest to ever live and I can back it up so I can say whatever. And you just kind of have to stand back and be like, yeah, he's that dude. Uh-huh. There's a yeah, few yeah. people that can say it, they back it up. Dion's one of those guys. Patrick Mahomes is at that level where he's one of those guys. Um, he said it on his golf tournament. He's like, I just make great TV or whatever he said during the, <laughs> the golf tournament where he's like, I just keep it close and I win it at the end. I just make it exciting for everybody. Um, crazy. Another one of those paces and those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This one's good. It's always Dan Marino because he's always chasing Dan Marino's first few years in his career. But Patrick Mahomes is now just 25 touchdown passes shy of passing Dan Marino for the most touchdown passes in a player's first seven seasons. In the NFL, Dan Marino had 220. Patrick Mahomes right now is 196 career <clears throat> touchdown passes through his first seven years. So we've got however many more games this season, and Patrick Mahomes just needs uh, 25 touchdowns to pass. Uh, again, Dan Marino, he is now tied with Russell Wilson um, for the most touchdown passes in the first seven years. Patrick Mahomes has thrown 196 touchdowns in only 82 career games. Mm. It took Russell Wilson 112 games, so 30 more games to throw the same number of touchdown passes. You did good math there. Thank you. Good job. So the things is, I'm okay yeah. at. Simple <laughs> math. numbers I can't. Is one of them. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a tipper. I'm a calculator tipper kind of girl. You just know. High school math. Yeah. No, thank you. Uh, one of those uh, guys that he throws a lot of touchdowns to. Look at that segue. Moving on to Mahomes and the Kelsey connection. Uh, that I think we got to see that again. Okay. I mean, it, it looked Kelsey obviously taking those first couple of little steps to get back into the swing of things. It's his yeah. first regular season game after missing week one, but the undeniable chemistry that those two have. I mean, we get to see that they're friends off the field as well, but just the way in which they can Mahomes can predict the future of where Kelsey will already be before Kelsey even knows that he's going to be there. It's just the coolest thing. Yeah. That instincts that they kind of share. And I don't know if that is just natural. I don't know if it comes from just watching so much film together or just time together. Yeah. Or yeah. Just, it's just some things click and some things work. And the Patrick Holmes to Travis Kelsey connection has worked better and more often than any other connection now in Chiefs franchise history. Right. As with that touchdown yesterday, it broke a tie that they had with Len Dawson to Otis Taylor between 1965 and 1975, where the late great Len Dawson and the late great Otis Taylor both had, they had 46 touchdowns between them and that connection. And now that tie is broken as Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey have connected 47 times which puts them fourth on the NFL's all-time list behind Drew Brees to Jimmy Graham, which, a little surprising. You forget how good Jimmy Graham was during that stretch. That was from 2010 to 2014. And then Phillip Rivers to Antonio Gates, not surprising at all, from 2014 to 2000, or excuse me, 2004 to 2018. They played together forever. They had 89 touchdowns. And then, again, no surprise at all, Tom Brady to Rob Gronkowski. Right, yeah. From 2010 to 2018, and then from 2020 to 2021 down in Tampa, they had 90 touchdowns. So a ways to go for Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey on the touchdown connection to catch Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski. But they did, they broke a tie to have the most in franchise history, which is which is saying something. Yeah. Mahomes was talking about Kelsey post game, just having him back there, how much of an ease of his mind it is to have him on the field with him. He even said, if he just gets other guys open, 
So truly a great teammate to even be out there on the field, you know, mentioning it was just great to have him back because he not only helps himself, obviously making those types of catches and plays, but he helps everyone else. You've said this before, and I'm going to say it very dramatically for effect, uh, just so we all understand exactly what we're witnessing. Patrick Mahomes will go down as the greatest, most talented quarterback to ever live. And Travis Kelsey has already proven to be the greatest tight end to ever live. And Andy Reid is one of the best coaches Mm -hmm. to ever live. Uh, Let's not normalize this. Let's not forget this. Um, It does not happen. Very few fan bases at any point in their generational fandom get a stretch like we are getting right now to witness. doesn't mean they're going to win every game. doesn't mean they're going to win every Super Bowl. Uh, Hopefully they'll win as many as possible. But it doesn't deny the fact that you've got a guy with the greatest start to any player in NFL history in his career with Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey who's continuing to shatter records and will continue to do so as long as he plays. We already talked about Andy Reid. Let's not normalize this. I'm going to probably say it on every show we have because we'll be talking about things like this, but these are things you're going to be telling your great grandkids about. I got to see Patrick Mahomes in person. I got to talk to Patrick Mahomes at one point. (laughs) Those are the kind of things that you're going to get to talk about. It's kind of crazy to think about it. Um, And that moves us into the next point. More Travis Kelsey. More Travis Kelsey. I mean, we, we saw this last week, how much the Chiefs, we're missing Travis Kelsey, and now we're just talking about how incredible he is. And and you watch it, watched yesterday's game back, and it's not like there was just like it was one of those insane Kelsey moments. But oh, we got the shit talking Kelsey. Right. That's the one that sorry for my language. Should have warned him. Apologize out there. <laughs> to the children. Apologize to the children. We'll use that word. Uh, <laughs> but seriously, like it, we saw that that side of Kelsey. Right. I know a lot of people back in the day like they didn't like it. It what gets him going. Like to see how bought in he is after a couple Super Bowls, he's already has a first ballot Hall of Fame, greatest ever do a career, and this guy's getting this fired up in 120 right. degree field conditions down there. It's hot. He's coming back. Uh, Rayshon Jenkins talking trash. There's a history with the Jags, uh, especially down in Jacksonville. Last time they played down there, I was on the sideline when Miles Jack lost his mind. Patrick yeah, was hurt. There was all kinds of things going down. I think that was either week one or week two of that season too. It was real early in the year. Um, but it was hot like that. I love seeing that side of Kelsey. I, just, I love seeing a leader get fired up like that, especially when the team and the offense isn't playing super well. doesn't mean they're going to snap out of it, but it shows me they care a lot and they're not mm-hmm. going to sit back and not let it affect them and, and come out in some kind of way, uh, how frustrated they are, um, how fired up they are to get out there and get it done. I mean, we love angry Kelsey. We love watching him get it done. And one of the things he got done, four receptions in the victory. So Kelsey passed. Shannon Sharp, which I didn't. I mean, that's 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 incredible. Fourth most career receptions by a tight end in NFL history. Uh, you see, you see a little list down here. You got here, but Kelsey is tied for the seventh fastest all time amongst pass catchers in NFL history to reach 800 receptions in his career. It's almost becoming like like when we talk about Mahomes a ton. It, there's always a new record he's breaking. It's almost every week he's breaking something new, and Kelsey is in the same conversation. Every single week, we have a new stat of a record he's broken. Yeah, the only one that he's really kind of lower on, um, I believe, and I don't have the rest of them in front of us, but are, are the receptions, um, where he, a lot of the other stats he's up um, higher. But uh, probably because the yards per catch and a lot sure. of those are a lot higher. But yeah, it's the same usual suspects uh, above him with Antonio Gates, Justin, Jason Witten, and Tony yes. Gonzalez, uh, and then Shannon Sharp rounding out the five greatest tight ends uh, to ever play. Let's move on to another player that. Um, of all of the storylines to come from Sunday, uh, the one that probably isn't going to get discussed enough because of the way the defense played and that didn't score a touchdown. Sure. But it was the biggest storyline coming out of the game last week, and that was Kadarius Tony. 
Uh, we talked about it, and anybody's ever followed Coach Reed, they were going to get the ball in his hands right. early. They the did. fact that the first ball went to him, and I don't say crucial third down, but a high leverage third down early in the game, uh, in a game that you knew was going to be close, they went right to him. And what I love, Haley, is after that play, you saw him look over the sideline. The broadcast showed him kind of mm-hmm. nodding. You could just like players right, in the zone or feeling it. You could just kind of see it. And you could tell after that play that Kadarius Tony, the adrenaline like popping out of his fingertips, looks over there, nods. They go right back to him. I right. don't know if his look influenced the next play call, but if I'm a coach and I see a player make a player play like he did, knowing he's fired up and is eager to prove mm-hmm. that he can be trusted with getting the ball thrown in his direction, uh, for him to kind of have that mindset and then come back and the next play was a little bubble screen where he made the cut back inside right, and had right, right. to go flying. Those were two plays in a row. Love to see it. I mean, the thing about it is feeding the ball. We knew that we talked about that before. We knew Coach Reed was going to do that. If he ever has a kid with an issue, kid, he's not a kid, he's a, he's a man, but ever has anyone on his team with an issue, he, he feeds it right back to him, gets it done. And there was one point where Tony got the ball punched out. He had to fall back on it, recover. Um, and you saw him just right back up mentally get get right back in it and continue to play and I think that's the thing that shows the resiliency of like okay don't let that one mistake define the rest of the game you had some great receptions in the beginning of the game continue and and he was able to capitalize on that so I think for him it's really just a mental thing rebuilding that confidence getting everything back up and flowing and like you said it's not gonna be a storyline because it wasn't a problem Yep, I think that's the best thing. Touched the ball four times, had nearly 40 yards, had the receptions of 11, 17, and 13 yards. So uh, Kadarius Tony is going to be a huge piece for the Chiefs going forward. Doesn't mean he's, he's going to have 100 yards every week. Right. up these volume numbers. But there are going to be a handful of games, a handful of plays where like mm-hmm. Chiefs probably don't win that game without Kadarius Tony making that big play. We saw it last year again to go back and it was... It, bad to see because you need to point out how bad the game was last well, week. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But sure. how quickly people forgot in the way that people were discussing him that this was also the same guy that helped you win a Super Bowl by having the right. best punt return in Super Bowl history deserves a little bit of grace to be able to get over that and to, to show that he can come back and make plays. And it was great to see him get back out there and honestly get his confidence back because you know, just, guys, this just, level they have their be, confidence, yeah, yeah. Uh, but at least uh, prove to himself and to everyone and his teammates that he can not only have the ball, but he that wasn't playing scared after that. He wasn't playing right. super conservative. Uh, you saw a player was fired up trying to make plays. Yeah, and that was a fluke, not a thing that's going to be consistent. Yeah. All right, another thing that's consistent is our friends over at DraftKings, as we're back with another week of football, and DraftKings Sportsbook is keeping us. In on the NFL action with great offers every single game day. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Throw down five on any of this week's epic matchups to walk away an instant winner. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. Football's more fun when you're in on the action. So download the app now and sign up with code KCSN. New customers can bet just $5 to get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with code KCSN. The crown is yours. Take that deep breath. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in Connecticut. Help is responsible. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, licensed partner Golden Nugget, Lake Charles, Louisiana, 21 or older, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario, See sportsbook.com 
See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility terms and responsible gaming resources. Own and his bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit res- restrictions apply. Nailed it. I give it a five out of ten. It's like that you blind read that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't read that before. Get it. It's always, it's the, the fine print. It's the fine print, everybody. <laughs> you get it? I'm not going to say that. It's going to come out wrong. So okay. we appreciate it. We're going to get back uh, to the points now. How do you feel about that, Tuck? It was all right. All right. Appreciate you. Tucker Franklin, our fearless producer, getting this thing going. All right. Haley, this is going to be a longer segment because uh, I, when I rewatched the game late last night, so many of the second-year players, and I already had uh, Sky Moore, Isaiah Pacheco, and George Karloftis listed here. Yeah. Uh, but going back and rewatching the game, Jalen Watson's tackle uh, should be mentioned. Leo Chanel uh, had... It's also his birthday. Too. Phenomenal place. His birthday. He and Patrick Mahomes share a birthday. All right, cool. I should say Patrick Mahomes shares a birthday with Jalen Watson. I want to see how old he is. He's a youngin. But sorry, continue. But no, I thought, uh, and Charles Davis talked about it on the broadcast last night, the Jalen Watson play, and we're going to get into a lot of the other guys here for a little bit longer, but that was a phenomenal play from Jalen Watson. I know he kind of illustrated how they tried to hide. I think it was Christian Kirk who, who kind of slid out of the backfield. Uh, they put him in motion on a bunch, tight bunch formation on their side. Uh, and he was kind of the overhang or the you know, the defensive back on that side. And they basically set up this entire play to try and get one player out of position. It was Jalen Watson, who was not out of position and did not hesitate at all in a kind of a tricky play. I'd really like to see the all 22 of that because Christian Kirk kind of slithered between the left guard and the left mm-hmm. tackle to kind of spurt out um, into the flat over there, which would be very easy to get lost and not see. He read it like a book, though. Yeah, and Jalen Watson didn't wasn't influenced by anything, was right where he needed to be, didn't hesitate, came up, made a great tackle, and then forced a fourth down, which forced a punt and led the Chiefs in a good situation. But um, again, Sky Moore, talked about Kadarius Toney having a lot of flack yeah. thrown his way after the Lions game. Those two guys combined, I think, for one reception against the Lions a week ago. And Sky Moore uh, led the Chiefs pass catchers with three catches for 70 yards and a touchdown. Um, but it was his end zone catch that basically gave the Chiefs uh, the seven to three lead on the nine yard pass from Patrick Mahomes' first touchdown of the year, and he had a fifty four yard reception late in the fourth quarter yes, for that, that play was... to seal things um, on a play when Patrick Mahomes let go of that ball. It, he that threw it so singer. slowly that I thought it slipped out of his hand incorrectly, but he was just babying it because there was nobody within twenty five yards of Sky Moore. The guy just needed to complete this pass, but. Yeah. Shout out Sky Moore, uh, stepping up, having a big game when Chiefs needed him. The youngins, the second-year players. He's 25, by the way. I looked it up. Jalen Watson turned 25 yesterday. Oh. So what a birthday to share with good old good old Patty Mahomes. But yeah, the fact that we we some, you talked about it a little bit earlier in the podcast, we, we forget sometimes how important it is to have these second-year players and how instead of looking outward and around the rest of the league to find people to come in and fill these voids, you have to remember that you're returning these second year players. It's their second year in the scheme. It's their second year in this playbook. And it is that the, give them some time to shine. And I think we're starting to see a lot of those, you know, guys start to step up here big. And you mentioned it, Sky Moore, you see Pacheco. Yep. That dude runs so angry. I love it. The way that he pops up. He's allergic to touching the field. Like it's like he can't touch the ground. He can't can't be on the ground for long because he's always just popping, popping up and running. And I would love to see that. More being able to to get that feel with Mahomes more. It was almost as if he was getting that. I don't. I keep saying the word chemistry. I'm trying to find a better word to describe that. But just the the feel of how everything goes, and yeah. seeing the com- him being more comfortable. Um, and then Karloftis, my God, the Greek freak. 
Sean Barber was talking about him yesterday and he was giving him that name. Um, and I think I think rightfully so now. He's starting to really earn earn that name uh, coming into second year, putting the pressure on week one when they were missing, you know, um, Chris Jones and then, yep. and then being able to continue to do so alongside Chris Jones was really the coolest thing because now we start to see how they're going to beef up that pass rush. Uh, it just and, that, and we also I know we got to talk about Leo Chanel and a few other people, too. Yeah, but it just was a wonderful performance of the draft class from from last year. Yeah. And going back to Pacheco, uh, because his 31 yard rush that went to midfield that led to the Chiefs second touchdown to mm-hmm. that 14 to six lead was kind of the spark that they needed yeah. uh, in the running game offensively. And there was so much made during the broadcast and on social media by the Chiefs not running the football that when they did get the opportunity and they ran it yeah. a few times. And they second half. It never happened. But Isaiah Pacheco showed with that 31-yard run that when he needs to step up and make a play, he's good enough, has the athletic ability to go do it. Mm-hmm. Interesting note from the Chiefs communication staff that his two longest runs of his career have both come against Jacksonville, had a 39-yard <laughs> rush in last year's AFC Divisional round. Uh, they won that game uh, against the Jags at home. Uh, but the third, I guess I should say the 31-yard run yesterday against the Jags tied for the second longest rush of his career with the game uh, last January at Las Vegas against the Raiders. But Pacheco finished with 12 carries for 70 yards. Um, Didn't really get going until the second half even. So that's that's quite yeah. a performance. I mean, able able to step up when he was needed. And yeah, I know, I know the broadcast was talking about the run game a lot too. Yeah. And, you know... He, from a coach's perspective, they're they're thinking, or I'm putting myself in their shoes, assuming you know when when the pass can't get it done, you know then you then you go to the run. And so when yeah. they were eventually starting that run game in the, in the second half, seeing how he capitalizes off his opportunity, I think really is the most impressive thing about this kid. Yeah, he's so young, but every time he gets that ball in his hand, he is gonna run as hard. Even when the the whistle blows it dead, he's still running. You see his little legs under there. It's funny, <laughs> like the road runner that won't stop. It's a bigger discussion uh, for probably like off season or something, just as fandom because we all do it. But it is funny how we all complain about the play calling. What are we doing? Oh, we don't know what we're doing. I know. At the I same know. breath that we're talking to Andy Rizzo, the greatest coach yeah, ever. Yeah, yeah. We play calling. Like we all we do it. Like what are you doing? And then you sit back and like you know what? He probably knows. Yeah, because look, it worked out. So, um, and the reason why he's calling certain plays that if you were going to have like a debate with him, like you got the opportunity to be like, why are you running the ball? Whatever reason he gave would be so far above your head from yeah. all eyes that. It's not as simple as just rock okay. all the time. Um, understand that I think everybody does. That doesn't mean that we all don't get caught up, myself included. Sure. Uh, saying what are we doing? The only thing I'll agree with is that we will never do a quarterback sneak. I'm not on. Oh, the, I'm not on that train. That. Uh, that little inside handoff that we used to the Anthony Sherman play and Michael Burton play became. Uh, I think it was Isaiah Pacheco ran that play uh, on the fourth and short or third and short, whatever it was. But his little open up inside trap whatever that's called tucker what do you call that it's a different formation they didn't have he he's was offset he's an offset but they didn't have a the, fullback there and it was just kind of like a uh it was like a gap power kind of yeah. inside iso maybe it's like he he turns and spins that way to give the offensive line just a little bit more time yeah but the counters off of that you know there's a counter pitch where they fake that and then flip it to the outside as everybody crashes uh we've seen that a few different times and I know we saw that Buffalo game because I'll never forget the fourth and one at Buffalo back in like 2014 where they pitched it to Jamal and he ran for like 30 yards at the end of that game um but yeah every time they light up in that formation it's like oh here comes the little inside whatever 
It's like the sprint draw with Matt Castle and Jamal back <laughs> in the day. It's the most uh, most frustrating play ever. If anyone's listening that remembers that era of footballs, that I saw somebody ran it yesterday. I think it was the Ravens or someone. I'm like, that play should be outlawed. So the quarterbacks in shotgun, they hike it to him, and then he runs over to the running back who doesn't move, and he hands him the ball on the. It's like a, the Ravens did that yesterday. The Ravens are somebody. I was watching a highlight of a play and I saw it and it gained like 12 yards. I'm like, that's 12 more yards than I ever saw that game, that play game or the Chiefs. Uh, drove me crazy. But uh, other second year players, let's talk about Leo Chanel. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Leo Chanel, that's if you go time. back, there's a handful of plays and they're not like going to end up on his highlight reel, but there were multiple plays that, that demonstrated Leo Chanel's ability and that the game is coming to him. And not that it didn't before, but when you see a young player that doesn't have a ton of experience, not like he played a ton compared to a lot of the other second year players. Sure. Um, the Trent McDuffies, the George Karloftis, who started and then played all the games throughout the course of the season. But Leo Chanel, and the one that I know they mentioned on the broadcast where he strings it out and he sprints out and runs the guy out of bounds, mm-hmm. showing some athleticism, some speed to get out there. Then there was the throwback yeah, play yeah, where that's he, where I remember it. The instincts and the athleticism to to see that, recognize the play, and know what his responsibilities are, I'm assuming. Uh, to go back and make that tackle. But then if you go back and anybody's listening, if you got game pass or got a game saved, go back, watch his ability to take on the Brandon Scherf, the guard. It was the first play in the red zone following Richie James muffed punt. Uh, it was a three yard run by Travis Etienne, but Leo Chanel comes unblocked off the edge and guard pulling right in his face. They make contact in the backfield. I'm not going to say that it was a stonewall, but for a player that's giving up, considerable amount of weight and size to make contact with him and then come off of that and then helps make the tackle. So he makes contact with this offensive lineman, stonewalls him in the backfield and has the awareness to still go locate the ball carrier, go after his legs, make the tackle. Like it's one thing to be able to do physically one of those things, but to do both of those things combined with the ability out in space to make the play and the recognition on the throwback. Right, right, right. And chasing the guy out of bounds. It just, those were three different plays that showed three different skill sets that are all different, that all show this guy is ready for his snaps. He is not just a physical, crazy man running around with not death row on his arm. Yeah, just the yeah, dude yeah. making plays, uh, like a wedge buster type where he's just physically beating people up, uh, but understanding the game and it's not too fast for him. And it's awesome to see. Yeah, I think the thing that we've seen with him is, I mean, we see his athletic ability and that's something that they loved about him in the draft and, and why they they selected him. And we also all remember the parade video where he completely just yeah. does a, a oh, body yeah. or what's it called? A muscle. Most up. athletic play we've and seen just, from him. Yeah, and just pulls himself up onto a double-decker bus. Yeah. Uh, but Incredible. the thing that we saw yesterday was that his football IQ is now evening out with his athletic ability. And that's that's exceptional, and that's what you want in a linebacker, and that's what we're continuing to see in that linebacker core is that they have not only these physical, elite, athletic players, we're starting to see that the football IQ, I mean, you see it with Nick Bolton, you see it uh, with your Tranquil, like we're seeing it many times out of Willie Gay as well, but he's being superior with, with that IQ, and I think that's something that's going to translate into played more, but also utilizing yeah. himself in big plays like that. Yeah, I think the Chiefs linebacker group and what we've seen from Drew Tranquil, what we know we have in Nick Bolton, right. Willie Gay has shown flashes of what he can do. Like the Chiefs linebacker crew, they got a it's, good, it's good group yeah, right now. It looks good. The way they're so, playing. Uh, and we've talked about all the second year, we talked about Josh Williams a little bit last week and what he's been doing. And then Brian Cook 
Uh, we'd be talking about an interception that he had, but he got tackled by the wide receiver in a situation that no, the broadcast oh. didn't talk one word about offensive pass interference. And it was, I was thought I was taking crazy pills looking around being like, that's offensive pass interference, right? Like why are, why is this not even being like discussed as a possibility uh, to what we just witnessed? That, that one doesn't make sense to me. I hope that play circulates the NFL like it's the Jawan Taylor stuff does. And we'll get to that here. Uh, in one second before uh, we go to number nine here. We've got two left uh, here on 10 things, but uh, Felix Andy Duque Uzama combined with Chris Jones for a two-yard sack of Jacksonville quarterback Trevor Lawrence uh, to notch his first career quarterback takedown. So impressive for FAU to get that first sack of his career. And he had some pressures in the week one game against uh, Detroit. That's what I was saying. He looked good week one, and then we see him continue to build upon it in, in week two. Uh, sorry for your cats, man. That was a brutal, brutal loss to the Mizzou Tigers. I'm sure he's upset about that, but can't be upset about his performance on the field. He's continued. <laughs> he's not a Mizzou fan. <laughs> I, I don't want to bring it in. I don't. Sorry, I brought it up. I I'm not happy that they lost, but I'm not going to pretend to be like super upset. I'm a K State <laughs> fan. I follow it. I watched to get my son's football game was at the same time, so I was in the stands, kind of watching, make sure he wasn't out there. And getting a piece of both, but I got. Uh, I know how much the game. Here. I know how much it meant to Tucker uh, <laughs> for K State to win that game. I just he's probably upset that he didn't go. Oh, uh, are you upset that you didn't go to that one since you went to the game in Manhattan? I can bring it back to Felix, my bad man. Uh, a little bit, but it's. I actually like. I kind of agree with uh, some people that I saw on social media talking about this. People complaining about like storming the field. I'm pro storm in the field. I don't I'm care if you're storming the field, like in Always Manhattan, do. and you're the road team after like a okay, win against the right team. Like storm the field every time. Like life's short. Go have some fun. Let the kids have fun. Anyways, the kid Felix Anidike Uzama had had a great time, and he did a great job. And I can the potential for him is looking really good right now. So that that's a rookie that all eyes should be on, as no one really saw that one coming in the drafts and hopefully continues to capitalize because he's a really good asset for the Stevens. All right. Now we are coming to the last number 10, save the one, I'll say negative things. The offense was pretty sloppy again at times. Uh, we I expect mean, more the most offense. negative though, but this is the right. most negative thing. The offensive line penalties, the Jawan Taylor stuff that they highlighted on the broadcast. There's talked about all week. We knew they would be paying more attention to it. And for all of the snaps, and this is the one thing that's annoying about this. For all of the highlights and clips that were shown last week where Jawan Taylor was moving at the same time the ball was snapped, that was not the case on a couple of the plays against the Jags on Sunday. He was moving early, so it's not apples to apples of he's been doing this the whole time. No, against the Lions, and Duke Manyweather put it out, you can see the ball moving at the same time. He just happens to be timing it perfectly. That wasn't the case against the Jags, at least on a couple of them where he was leaving early. Um, but the target on his back though. It's going to be a thing. And Mitch Schwartz put out a video last night and I, I kind of thought about it, but obviously he's played the position. So sure. he would know that you don't want it to get in your head of stars where your stance is because it's an angles thing. He's trying to get as much depth as possible to set his feet and be ready, uh, especially against a speed rusher and a guy with the kind of ability that Josh Allen has uh, to be set up for him. But um offensive line, five penalties. Um, yeah. Yeah. Briefly benched. Briefly benched, which I thought was odd. That usually doesn't happen. And even Mitch Sports was someone who pointed that out on his Twitter account. Was I've never seen something like that before. But Coach Reed kind of talked about it after the game, saying why they benched him briefly. And it was basically took him out for a couple of plays. Just step back. This is home. Just step back and let's get you back out there. 
He had some big blocks down later in the game. He did a nice job finishing. Basically, they said they have all the confidence in the world in him. I mean, that's a quote we hear all the time, but it just seemed like he wanted to just get him mentally reset, go back out there. Collecting five penalties, though, two false starts, one illegal formation, and back-to-back holds. How does that not get in your head? I mean, even as a veteran offensive lineman, that's going to get in your head. So it it sucks because this is a guy who joins the Chiefs in the offseason for $80 million and then costs the Chiefs. It, it, I mean, that's a lot of penalties to cost the Chiefs. The Chiefs had 12 in total today, 94 yards total, yep. three turnovers, one interception, two fumbles. I mean, it wasn't pretty, but they got it done. And I think what they addressed going into week three, wow, I had to think about it, what we're doing right now, but it's just practice. They just have, I mean, that's going to be Andy Heck's job. The whole week is just resetting, realigning, and how do we do this legally to where it's not going to be called every single time, even if he is doing it legally. Yeah. If you would look at the box score outside of obviously like points and touchdowns, sure, not be smart asses here. Um, but if you would look at some of the key stats, I used to call, I used to keep track of these. It was I call them the four core stats. That if you were better than your opponent in three of the four categories, you won the game like ninety five percent of the time. Like I tracked this okay. for the Chiefs under Andy Reid starting in twenty thirteen. I did it all the way through like twenty seventeen. Uh, but it was third down efficiency, okay. penalties turnovers and red zone if you were better than your opponent on third down red zone conversions and not having as many penalties it didn't matter which three it was but if you were better in three of those categories you were going to beat your opponent well then every once in a while there's an outlier like we saw from the chiefs where it was defensively they were dominant because again they lose the turnover battle three to one Chiefs, you mentioned it 12 penalties for 94 yards the jaguars had two penalties for 10 yards Gave up 84 yards in penalties, turned it over plus mm-hmm. two because uh, the Jags had their one turnover. You gave them a bunch of free yards. You gave them two extra possessions. And outside of third down where the Chiefs offense wasn't very good either, but neither were the Jags because so the Chiefs defense was really good. We talked about it earlier. Holding the Jags to three of 12 on third down, 0 for 2 on fourth down. But most importantly, and the reason they won this game was 0 for 3 in the red zone. That is the reason that the Chiefs won this football game is the way the defense stepped up and played in the red zone. Yep. And if we're being honest about it, talk about a game of inches, three touchdowns from the Jags right, were right. not counted Instead because they, of made them three millimeters Instead and of inches six. of these guys and their feet not being in bounds. Calvin Ridley at the end of the game, Zay Jones earlier in the game. Uh, it really was that close. And shout out to Spags and the, the guys for getting it done inside mm-hmm. the red zone because above anything else, this game was decided by the Chiefs defense standing tall in the red zone. So how do they, I guess my biggest question, and I'm, I'm throwing it to you, but how do they adjust going into week three when the issues had nothing to do with the defense? I mean, obviously they're going to address some things on, on defense, make some adjustments, little tweaks here and there. How do you, what, what is your focus? If you're, if you're Coach Reed going into this one, is your focus simply Taylor receivers, um, you know, getting that offense flowing more or... Does that kind of make sense? I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm wandering around the question, but that's what I'm really trying to get out is what's the adjustment going into next week? Yeah, I think, again, it's getting the young receivers to come along. I think there's yeah. going to be a lot of questions uh, coming off the win. Again, Justin Ross getting less than 10 snaps in this game. A lot of people are going to question it. I'm not questioning because he's a young player who hadn't played yet. Uh, and Andy Reid's offense is not easy for these young players to figure out. So yeah. I think a lot of the issues or the 
I would say sloppiness or just not seeing what we've come to expect from a Patrick Mahomes led offense for the Chiefs has everything to do with so many new faces on that okay. side of the ball. It's just going to take a little bit to go out there and play at that speed against professionals who are game planning against you. Right. This is a different speed. It's a different level to understanding for these receivers. It's not like training camp where you're going against the same guys and they're giving certain looks. You're going against guys that are game planning against you and young receivers have to get on the same page. Donovan Smith, uh, Jawan Taylor said before, you know, going back to the offseason, they were as happy with these two set of tackles that they've had uh, during Andy Reid's tenure in Kansas mm-hmm. City that's been talked about. It's a big statement considering what Eric Fisher and Mitch Schwartz were earlier in his career. So uh, are they talented? Yes. Are they going to get there? Yes. Is it going to take some time? Yes. Did we see a little bit of the example of the margin of error of the talent and the ability between the Chiefs and the Jags in that game? Because, again, three turnovers, 94 yards on penalties against a good team on the road. That If you make a little bit more plays or you're tweaked just a little bit there, you win that game. And on the flip side for the Jags, six, eight inches on the other side, yeah. they may have won that game. So it's uh, what happens when you go on the road against a good team. But yeah, I think for me, offensively, it's going to take, and a lot of it, we're just going to see them play better. We might not know all the reasons why all of a sudden yeah. it looks less sloppy. And it's because the young receivers are the, where they're supposed to be. The tackles aren't getting all the penalties and those things. Um, but yeah. We'll see if things tighten up in week three. Tires and tails. This is another, we're talking about margin of error games. Like margin of error is bigger than normal. Let's be honest. The Bears are not very good. They're 0-2 coming into this one after dropping, I believe, to the Bucs uh, 27-17 last week. So uh, this is a team and a quarterback that is struggling. He's a very mobile quarterback. Justin Fields can go make plays. But if the Chiefs play like we know they're capable of playing, uh, this game should not be close. Uh, Bears defense did get significantly better this offseason. They added some new pieces. They definitely got guys like Tredavious White that can go and make plays, but um, this is a get-right game for yeah. the Chiefs offense. I, I that's exactly I felt I feel the same way. This is a get it together, get the momentum rolling, get a clean clean win, play fundamentally sound football. Love to hear it, and love the fact that all of you hung with us for this show and spent part of your Monday or Tuesday with us whenever you're listening. And don't forget the guys from Only Weird Games, Nate, Seth. And Josh will be going live at 4.30 on the Chiefs YouTube and X accounts. And then the KC Lab will be going live at 8 o'clock tonight as well. A lot of good content coming to you later today. We appreciate you spending part of your day with us. Hope you learned something. Let us know in the comments what you liked about the show and what uh, your favorite uh, piece of information that you learned on the show is or something that may have surprised you. We appreciate all of you. Have a great day. Chiefs Kingdom. We'll see you later.